and welcome to Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, a podcast about the work of comedy writer, performer, director, and all-round genius, Julia Davis. I'm Sophie Davis, no relation, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a different show created by Julia Davis. This episode is about Dear Joan and Jerrica, and my guest is comedian, writer, and artist, Ruby Martin. So, Ruby, am I right in thinking this has been your sort of introduction to Julia Davis? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Because when I was younger, whilst my uh, my parents were really into British comedy, um, she was always on too late mm-hmm. and was <laughs> way too rude for us to watch. So, uh, yeah, I, have, I haven't grown up watching her at all. It's always been one of those people that I'm like... Oh, I should really watch her because she's like a woman that gets to write and make comedy <laughs> and there isn't enough. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this is my first Julia Davis. But I mean, I used to see, like, I'd always see her on cameos of shows like she's basically in every British comedy in the last 10 years. Yeah, she's been around for a long time now. Her first show that she created uh, with Rob Brydon was in the year 2000, I think. So it's been nearly 20 years she's been around cropping up you know in her own shows yeah. and then all over the place really you're a few years younger than me I think you I'm 24 24 oh, similar age to me then but yeah I didn't get into it via my parents or anything yeah. that was yeah it was very uh nighty night in particular was on when I was younger and that was very very dark and mm. kind of disturbing okay so I kind of chose Dear Jonah Jerrica for you because I feel like quite a lot of people have got really into it who aren't necessarily like hardcore fans of her TV stuff. It seems to have had a a sort of wider appeal. I guess one factor is maybe because it's a podcast, it's easy to access. It's free. Like a lot of her most recent shows have been on Sky, which Mm. not everyone has. Um, And also it seems to have really struck a chord with a lot of women. When the podcast came out, I saw a lot of articles coming up on websites like uh, stylist and refinery 29 like sort of raving about the podcast in a way that they don't really rave about her tv stuff in the same way like sally forever was on tv just a few months after this podcast came out and those sorts of websites weren't really talking about that it was just something about this podcast that really (laughs) struck a chord with a lot of women yeah i saw a lot more than sally forever which i think i only saw one where it talked about the pegging scene yeah exactly and then a few weeks ago it won the bafta for best comedy and my twitter was full of people going never heard of this before. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I found most surprising because I, I found it because of this one article So I, and being part of the comedy scene, I'd heard of it, but it didn't seem like many people were talking about it. So I was really surprised when it won the award. Whilst this podcast, I know it's done really well. It, didn't it just win a podcast award as well? Like, Yeah, at the time we're recording this, yeah, the British Podcast Awards were a few weeks ago and it, it won Best Comedy. So I'm sure it'll probably get even more listeners now from that. But yeah, it seems to be really popular among women I guess because it kind of it does a really good job of satirizing the sort of advice in inverted commas advice that women are given and sort of weird standards that we're expected to meet so a lot of women have been listening to it and sort of recognizing that even though it takes it to real extremes that you wouldn't hear in real life.
life, but it does come from a, a real place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the thing that struck me listening to it was that it encapsulates that sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say uh, not all baby boomers, <laughs> but it is that certain generation of women like around like our, you know, our mum's age mm-hmm. and that sort of Middle England like white feminist attitude Mm -hmm. and although they're not even at all feminist but it's so sort of like a horrifying um homage that's like whilst it's quite extreme it's some of the things it's just so close to the bone i think particularly about the sort of idolization of men Mm -hmm. and how men are basically allowed to get away with like anything <laughs> and like you know lower bodies stat like hygiene standards or um yeah, just basic hygiene it's like, like can't possibly like, manage that like in the last episode where they talk about um when it's the 56 year old guy who's left his wife for mm-hmm. like the 17 year old haitian girl yeah. <laughs> and he's like oh i visit my kids once a month and they're like oh you could cut it even let like less than that and it's it's terrifying, but it's also it's disturbing because when you look online and, you know, also a lot of the debate about women's bodies and also what, you know, men and women should be doing, there are still a terrifying amount of people who still have these ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at websites like the Daily Mail, I mean, you shouldn't look at websites like the Daily Mail, <laughs> but if you stumble across them, sometimes the most horrifying like body shaming slut shaming sort of articles about women are written by other women and you just think why why are you doing this and yeah it's come up in me too as well like a lot of particularly older women seem to think that you know if a woman's been sexually harassed then she must have been asking for it in some way like by dressing in a certain way or giving off a certain vibe and that's exactly what Joan and Jerrica are like really you know women can't get anything right and are just judged by these weird, ridiculous standards that they can't possibly meet. Whereas men, the bar is so low and like don't even need to <laughs> clean the skid marks out of yeah. their pants or thing. And it was like it's it was like when um is it Catherine Deneuve, I think. Yeah, yeah. The French actress. And like a lot of the older ones are like, oh, it's a compliment. Like the whole yeah. thing of like basically men doing anything gross and sexual should always be taken as a compliment or something that is, um, you know, a bonus and is what they're striving for. And they have this constant, it's this kind of almost a juvenile image of men being these like literal helpless babies in the last episode. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, that's fine. And women are there to kind of serve the needs both sexually and otherwise. I think it's such a brilliant, um, yeah, it's just such a, brilliant example of that in yeah, sure. the most horrific way. <laughs> so before we get into the episodes, there's uh, a little bit of background about the podcast. There was an interview with Julia Davis in The Guardian last year where she was mainly talking about Sally Forever, kind of promoting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they talked a little bit about Dear Joan and Jerrica as well. Apparently they recorded it in her kitchen um, and she said that they did it as a kind of almost therapy for her after both her parents had died. Apparently they both had cancer around the same time. So yeah, that must have been horrible. And they, for some reason, did this podcast as a sort of something to do to kind of take her mind off it. Mm. Interesting approach to grief. (laughs) They released the podcast in spring 2018. And like we were saying before, it became a bit of a word of mouth hit via things like Twitter. There wasn't a lot of press about it. There was no sort of big announcement 
advancement like there would be with a, a new Julia Davis TV show. And most people who have podcasts seem to be quite sort of active on social media. And that's where they promote their podcasts. But Julia Davis isn't on social media yeah. at all. Uh, Vicky Pepperdine does have Twitter, but she's not a massive presence on there. <laughs> this is the official description of the podcast, um, which is on iTunes and so on. Every Women, Joan Damry and Jerrica Domain, <laughs> which never heard the surnames before, uh, have between them worked in the fields of life coaching, female sexual health, psychogenital counselling and sports journalism for the past 32 years. Joan has been married several times and has five children, while Jerrica has been married for 30 years and has an only daughter, Cardinal. <laughs> I love Cardinal. Uh, Joan recently turned her hand to erotic romantic adult fiction, whilst Jerrica has written five books on depression. Uh, so Julia Davis is Joan and she adopts this Scottish accent. So she kind of sounds a bit like Lorraine Kelly or someone in this. And then Vicky Pepperdine is Jerrica. I think I think she's got a great voice. It's got a kind of stern quality, hasn't it? It, it like, comes off like it's it's like every PE teacher you had in yeah, school. Or, it does strike the fear of God into you. Yeah, I've written down like a headmistress or something. It's a bit scary and she's like that in a lot of shows. They, they've they worked together before. Uh, Vicky had a, a small but quite memorable part in Nighty Night. Uh, she played a, a woman who uh, Jill Tyrrell gave a really bad haircut to and then she committed suicide oh, yeah. uh, and then they were both in camping where yeah Vicky was very scary and stern in that uh, and then most recently Vicky was in Sally Forever playing a therapist so they had quite a few scenes in that that were a bit sort of Dear Joan and Jerrica-esque because it was a therapy session where as the therapist she was giving really awful horrible advice to this woman. We've already mentioned it's one the British Podcast Award for Best Comedy Podcast. Mm -hmm. And there has been talk of doing a second series. In October 2018, The Guardian said that there was definitely going to be a second series. And the podcast's producer, um, who's a guy called Joel Porter, he said that it would be coming out in late 2018 or early 2019. <laughs> so we, we say in June 2019. Yeah, ho hopefully it's still on the cards. I assume it is. I mean, they've won an award, so I think they have to now. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they're very busy people, but yeah, we've kind of passed that point now. So hopefully maybe the summer, who knows? Maybe it's going to be like a flea bag situation. Uh, yeah, about like two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we look at the episodes, I've I've noted down a few reviews that I quite liked on iTunes that people had given. A lot of people saying that they like couldn't listen to it in public. I had quite a similar experience. I first listened to it when I was on quite a long train journey. Mm -hmm. And luckily it was quite quiet and the carriage was quite empty because I was just sort of laughing uncontrollably. And I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and I don't like laugh out loud very often because mm. I listen to them usually when I'm commuting. So I've kind of got used to just suppressing it. But with this, it was kind of like you couldn't help it really because there's such unexpected things being said and you're like, oh God. Someone in their review says, if the Vagina Monologues and the Women's Institute had love children... Joan and Jerrica would be them. And then another person says that it's like listening to Woman's Hour from another dimension. <laughs> Quite like that one. Yeah, I see that. 
again, talking about like uncontrollable laughter again, someone says, a dear friend nearly drowned because he recalled a line and started laughing underwater. (laughs) (laughs) And someone else says, "Uh, don't listen while cooking. I nearly sliced off the end of my finger crying with laughter. Uh, And then the last one I've written down, if I'm ever in a coma, this is what I would like to be played to bring me out of it. (laughs) I think that is a good quote. I'm worried for that person. (laughs) (laughs) It might work though. It would be very uncontrollable. Yeah. Yeah. The inappropriateness of it strikes you. Like I was listening to it on the way to work and I was (laughs) sitting on the bus and right in front of me is like this, you know, mother and her young son. And all I can think of is, because at the time they're talking about um, the vagina collagen (laughs) thing and how, you know, I think when you inject it in the anus and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad that they cannot hear through my headphones. Please don't let my headphones (laughs) disconnect now. They're definitely plugged to the phone, right? I was was listening to it on the way here as well. And there was one point when an old lady moved a seat down. I was like, oh no, can she hear <laughs> she it? heard <laughs> what I'm listening to. Oh God. Yeah. If only people knew. <laughs> so episode one, they start off by talking about the height of Jerrica's hair. Apparently she's got a big bumper pack of cotton wool in there. Mm-hmm. And again, just kind of bring beauty standards into it like apparently they say oh in america it's called the blowout and she's having to walk around with netting over her face and neck to keep it under control i think like one of the things i loved about it is that when they talk about themselves and the incredible imagery i think what makes it an exemplary podcast is that they've really thought about the format or at least maybe unintentionally is because it's such a visual podcast despite being in the auditory medium because the descriptions because you're constantly piecing together images like in a later episode when uh, Joan says that she's getting her fringe tattooed <laughs> but she also has this really fine hair and they talk about <laughs> briefly alopecia as well so just you're constantly building up these weirder and weirder images of the two of them which I just think is like fantastic and the descriptions of people they put in it as well like Mahmoud (laughs) yeah (laughs) they keep saying how you know handsome he is but the description they give is just like some sort of cartoon (laughs) character yeah I think if they they probably won't but if they like made a tv series out of this I don't even know what Joan and Jerrica would look like because it's just so this ridiculous images that you have in your head how would they even look they're sort of almost these weird women who just have all these weird like I think they really exploited it because they know they don't have to obviously come out with the visual goods like the beginning of another episode where they talk about how is it Joan's lost half her eyebrows yeah. through vigorous blowjobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's had um eyebrow corrosion or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. The first problem in this episode is someone whose husband has suggested doing some role play. And I love like, first of all, they start off by just saying, oh, good morning, Celia, like in a really kind of patronizing tone of voice, like this false concern that just runs throughout the whole thing. They think they're helping these women, but... There's always (laughs) stuff like, they always have like a really cutesy sort of thing. So it'd be like ballish from dawlish and they're like oh it's lovely it rhymes or like oh what a lovely name like julia merry i think one of the episodes like oh it's really lovely before it veers into completely relentless ripping of this woman they just like the whole thing in that role play one yeah they get the photo out and they're immediately just laying into what she looks like they always constantly like oh it looks because it just goes on such a tangent because i was listening to it and is it is it ad-libbed or did they script it? Um, 
as far as I'm aware, they've like prepared the letters in advance, but I think the rest of it is pretty much all improvised, as far as I know. Yeah, and you can tell sometimes they're really kind of pushing each other and yeah, because egging each like, other on. Times when I was listening, and I'm like, are they trying not to laugh? Yeah, <laughs> I think Julia Davis in particular. There's a few lines where you can hear her voice is cracking, and she's maybe leaning far away from the mic after that, trying to just. Uh, yeah, she's a really bad one for that. I think. But like it goes on, like they go on such like brilliantly weird tangents as well. Because they'll be like, oh, so she's got this nose. Oh, it's a walnutty nose, and then into <laughs> these conditions, and then what they should do for it, and then it'll go into something disgusting before then veering back into something really like not like mediocre. But it's like, oh, you then, oh, you can get that at Sainsbury's or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is where they say she's she's got an, an AIDSy nutty gaunty look. <laughs> Yeah, that did make me laugh. laugh. I was like, what? And that she's slender in a sort of withered way. Uh, (laughs) They say that if she wants to do some role play, maybe she could be Dot Cotton. Uh, Again, like you said, bringing these kind of everyday things into it. And another thing they seem to really like doing is worrying these women by telling them they might have some sort of serious medical condition. (laughs) Like they tell this woman that she should get her nose checked out at the doctor. Oh God, it's horrible. And then, yeah, it goes even further when they start suspecting that, oh, first of all, maybe she's been crying while writing the letter oh, because yeah. there's she's some been, stains yeah, on it. rubbing it. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then they move on to, oh, we think she's sat down on it and that's what the stains are. It just keeps going further and further. And then they move on to the next problem, which is this woman whose 11-year-old son keeps wanting to show her his penis as it's developing. And immediately they're like, oh, well, that's a pretty common situation. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, it's flattering. All boys do that. I you, think like the first time episode sets up the tone of it so well because you have that obviously completely relentless and unnecessary ripping followed by oh this is normal for a teenage boy to want to masturbate in front of his mother it's a compliment yeah and it's all to do with creativity and he wants to just show you his ideas his expression (laughs) I think it was just like oh no and then this is where we have the line Every son fancies his mum. And that's one where you can hear Julia Davis trying not to laugh really hard. Uh, and then Vicky Pepperdine, I think she's often the one who kind of takes it really far. They are, there is a sense that they're egging each other on, but she's often the one who really kind of goes for it. She says, well, husbands come and go, but a son will pretty much throughout his life be up for it. And that's a, a great booster for mums out there. That's a fantastic line. I love it. Terrific. And I love how they give the full name of the son as well. Like, if this is real and, you know, his friends were listening, everyone would just know who that was. Yeah, because they sort of like, at least it's hinted throughout the series that it's the concept that they're actually quite successful, this show. Yeah, they've got books and pamphlets and and meat shortbread rangers. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come on to that. I think that's my favourite intro, that one. (laughs) Then the next problem in this episode is a woman saying that her husband has got fat and she's no longer finding him attractive. And of course, they're immediately jumping to the defense mm. of the man saying, well, what's wrong with the fat guy? You know, he's got a dad tummy, he's got moobs, you know, we, <laughs> we love getting hold of a big pound of manly flesh, you know, after they've been ripping into this other woman's appearance before. Yeah. And then they start ripping into this woman's appearance too, saying... Oh, that, she's well, so thin, isn't it? The- yeah, the uh, banging a bag of bones, <laughs> which I, I think that might be my favorite phrase in like the whole podcast. Yeah, w- what's there to bang? He'd be banging a bag of bones. And again, the 
with the medical stuff, they're they're saying, oh, you know, you're quite a nasty person, so you're probably going to have a stroke soon, and you should all you should also get checked out in case there's any uh, nasty cancers hiding around in that bag of bones. <laughs> this poor woman. Yeah, you're saying, oh, she's got no boobs, no hips. No wonder the husband's fat. He's probably trying to comfort eat his way out of the marriage. Oh, he's like, yeah, what what do you expect of him if he's he's probably having to finish all of your meals? Yeah, it's the woman's fault, obviously. Mm. Then the second episode, we start to get a bit more of an insight into their own bizarre lives. This is where Jerrica's saying she's been on a city break with her husband and there's been lots of Viagra and she's also gone with her daughter who we find out at this point is called Cardinal. Oh yeah, the thing <laughs> is when I was listening to it I didn't see the bit in the description of the show yeah. which said that the daughter was called Cardinal. <laughs> so I spent that whole episode thinking Cardinal was a friend of hers <laughs> and they'd all gone swinging together and had <laughs> sex as like an orgy thing. So then when they said the next episode Cardinal was her daughter daughter I was like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah Cardinal comes up quite a bit in the end they don't seem to have a very good relationship Mm. do they uh then the first problem in this one is this woman who's got a bit of sexual tension going on with her 17 year old gods that is that was one of my favorite bits because it's it's utterly fantastic they just keeps going that this description of this 17 year old boy like I think that's the thing that I've learned definitely about Julia Davis and Vicky's in this case as well it's just like that complete no fear in pushing what is acceptable like pushing what is unacceptable it's like jokes because just the so like they spend at least a good solid five ten minutes imagining this young boy's body. Yeah, because the woman the who's the woman who's written in hasn't actually really said anything about yeah. what he looks like, and there's no photo. They are just completely making this up from their own imaginations. Like, oh, you know, he's got chest hair, he's got a washboard stomach. You know, he probably goes cycling, so he's got nice calves, and it just keeps going further <laughs> yeah, and further. It's that sort of um, that I think like middle aged woman fantasy thing, which I think we've seen a lot in sort of popular culture recently of Fifty Shades of Grey mm-hmm. and this kind of thing of these women of a certain age that are very repressed because then like <laughs> they do a similar thing with horses yeah, that's <laughs> later great. episode like, lusting after <laughs> horses and young men and, yeah. uh, and there's some good little references to the age gap as well where they're saying oh he's naked as the day he was born which she probably probably saw (laughs) and oh she's probably changed this lad's nappy in the past and of course they don't think there's any problem with that they end it by saying well do we need to address how the mother would feel no not really (laughs) just and they just want more images and more descriptions of what this guy looks like and she does write it again in a later episode yeah. that we'll come to. Then the next one is the woman who she possibly gets the most hate of anyone so far. She's 50 and she's got a son of nine. Oh, she doesn't fit in <laughs> with the mothers at the school. Yeah. And immediately they're like, oh, well, you know, you're a geriatric mum. They're, they're just furious from the start. And Jerrica has a sort of meltdown where she's like, why have you left it so late? And she's literally shouting at this poor woman who's just innocently written in with a problem and they're just berating her for having a child at the age of 41. It was quite funny because my mum was 40 when she had me. <laughs> she's a geriatric <laughs> My mum is a geriatric Yeah, mom. my mum was 
late 30s, I think. Yeah. So. And I turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're saying, oh, is there something wrong with the sun? Mm. You know, it's so late. And they say as well, you know, if you are going to choose to be an older mum, you have to accept that you are outside society. And obviously these younger mums don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, uh, it's like that like in the later episode where um, is it that a woman gave birth to a baby with white hair <laughs> full teeth <Yeah. laughs> and they're like oh it's and like they managed to slut shame her for both having sex at an extremely young age but also having a baby so late <laughs> that this baby has been sitting in her uterus for like 20 years <laughs> yeah it's impossible to do anything right because they tell this older woman mm. as well that oh you know of course don't start dressing young because that's awful as well like yeah. there's no, no solution to it I think the one possibly the main theme is of uh, Dear Joan and Jericho is that women cannot win yeah exactly you can't have a baby when you're too old or too young you can't be too fat or too thin yeah it's just a minefield yeah this woman's called Fiona Christmas which I quite like as well uh we get the impression, I think, that Joan is quite sort of religious as well. She mentions church a few times. And in this one, she says, well, God created us with a body to start making babies from the age of nine or 10. <laughs> and of course, you don't have to rush into it that soon, but by 12 or 13, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that caught me by surprise. I was like, ah. <laughs> and then the next problem in this episode is the first one that's uh, a man who's written in. Mm. Of course, they're immediately excited by this after they've been having a go at every woman so far they're jumping to this guy's defense and it's the guy who thinks uh well his wife keeps telling him that he needs to change his underwear more often oh god and yeah <laughs> yeah we've alluded to this already just basic hygiene but they're saying oh you know for men time is money so you can't be spending loads of time on the toilet sorting yourself out <laughs> and they turn it back on the wife as well saying well is she washing your clothes properly <laughs> yeah it's like oh oh yeah it's a thing we're all too familiar with. And I think it's part of the reason that I think Queer Eye is such a popular series because it does the emotional labour that women have been telling men to do mm -hmm. for a very long time. Like, wash your clothes properly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's sad that it's such a recent phenomenon, but I think it's just, yeah, highlighted. And the attitude people still have is like, oh, it's it's fine for men to be dirty, but women have to be immaculately presented at all times. <laughs> yeah, it comes up in loads of different professions, you know, where men, it's the basic minimum requirement. But if you're a woman, you have to wear just the right amount of makeup. You can't wear too much. Otherwise, mm. people will think a certain thing. You can't wear no makeup you have to dress in a certain way you have to wear heels to a film premiere yeah <laughs> still good one can't <laughs> uh, i know it's ridiculous and then they go on as well more kind of bizarre imagery talking about special pants that men can buy made out of a cord <laughs> and things like that yeah that was, I, when i was listening to that i did they have to take a minute and be like, wait, so are they talking about actual corduroy boxes? <laughs> I think so, yeah. And they say, oh, you know, nothing's more flattering on a guy than a really good pair of jumbo cords. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this episode, we get some more weird insights into their lives there recording an album together yeah. and they say that it's like a cross between Alfie Bow and Little Mix <laughs> I think I hope they release that as yeah. part of the next maybe series maybe it'll be a charity Christmas single next year oh god yeah I'd love to hear that the next episode is the one where they're talking about eyebrow corrosion and it's been caused by too much uh, facial bashing during intercourse uh, due to the fleshy pubis oh god yeah yeah Jerrica says her husband has got 
firm tummy muscles, but a roll of fat above those. <laughs> How does that work? Bizarre imagery. And Joan as well is talking about how she lives in a castle and she's irritated mm. because it's a listed building, so she can't change anything. So she's building this little cottage, cottage off the side. Yeah, so no one can see and it's on the roof and mm. invites Jerrica to stay in there. This first problem in episode three, I think this was the one that maybe made me laugh the most when I first heard it. I'm not sure what this says about me as a person, but this is the husband wanting to have sex with the wife using his toes. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was working fantastic. I, it's so, it's disgusting. Like they're talking about how he's got a bit of athlete's foot going oh, on. Yeah. He's got patchy, flaky eczema, but of course they say, oh, well, that's not something he's going to be able to help. <laughs> you, know, you couldn't possibly get some treatment for that. Oh God, it's just, I've written down so much for this one. (laughs) Of course they're saying, oh, well, you know, good for him for spicing things up. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that Pat isn't a little bit more broad-minded and she's not enjoying (laughs) it. They've got a photo of the man saying, oh, he's got a lovely salt and pepper look all over his body. (laughs) Yeah, because again, they're sort of like idolising him in this way and objectifying him sexually despite the fact like of you know whilst there's nothing wrong with eczema or athlete's foot athlete's foot you do not want to be inserting it in the vagina oh god exactly (laughs) again this guy just sounds terrible the woman is talking about how he has been not even engaging while doing it he's been looking at the rugby results and sometimes they say oh sometimes you know men can only come if they're looking at the rugby results yeah yeah and Joan says well my first husband would never look at me during sex it's very rare that a man will do <laughs> and she says as well oh you know we're conditioned to think mm. that we should be close and be having this soul entwining experience when in fact most men would rather not look at you at all <laughs> oh, God. i think it's, it's you can also take that as like a um character study into maybe partly why she is the way she is yeah this is Fantastic, and I, I assume I don't know if this was the ad lib ad libbing, but um, obviously the classic role of improv is yes and, mm-hmm. and uh, Julia Davis completely sort of pushes that because she just keeps offering stuff to block Vicky, which is like, oh, he's a he's a man, he's hard at work all day. Well, actually, he's unemployed according <laughs> to the letter. Yeah, he's <laughs> oh, uh, but he's looking yeah. for work. Apparently, to the letter, he's just in the pub. Yeah, oh yeah, it's great. He just sounds like the worst man, and they're just constantly coming up with these excuses for him you know of course he's too busy to be looking at you while having sex mm. with you he's got other things on his I mind like the, the thing that problem above all else reminds me of um do you follow the reddit's relationship Twitter? yeah i do yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just it's such a typical problem of uh for those who don't know the reddit's uh there's a subreddit on relationships and it's all stuff genuinely stuff like this there was one i read the other day which was a woman's boyfriend was mad at her because she got rid of his moldy illegal stash of yogurt he's oh been collecting. i saw that yeah oh god <laughs> one that was like a guy who thought um his because he found a really big shit in yeah, the toilet and couldn't believe his girlfriend did it so wanted her to poop in front of him to prove she could shit that yeah he, he was like what man has been in this house and she was like that that was me and he was like prove it then. <laughs> uh, i want to know how that ends up she mm. she definitely should 
get rid of him. She shouldn't do that to prove something. I mean, the answer to almost every single one is just dump him. Because it's always stuff mm-hmm. like, oh, my girlfriend won't, you know, do this sort of uncomfortable sex act. And the women are always like, I think he's a cannibal. There's <laughs> different levels of problem, isn't Can there? Can I make it work? <laughs> no. Yeah. And then they end this one as well by they saying, oh, we really need to hear from him. We want to hear his mm. point of view in this. And also they suggest that she should persist with it and she should actually try try it out using her own toes i don't know how that would work you'd have to like do a lot of yoga or something yeah they were saying if you maybe take up yoga if not you can get these sort of like fake toe i, I assume they <laughs> refer to sex toys like a vibrator but it's a toe, toe. instead of something else you know I'm a, I'm a good christian girl but i've been into a sex shop once or twice <laughs> um, and the stuff it just constantly amazes me the stuff they make like there's one that was, are their toes though <laughs> there's Probably like one not. that was like a, a like you know fleshlight but mm. it was a it was a tit but it oh, was a God. tit with a hole in it oh no and you're like why <laughs> who's deriving pleasure from this concept oh, <laughs> from this physically impossible concept so the toes might exist to be yeah. honest I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> Please, um, please don't send it to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next problem is the one where the baby's been born with white hair and a full set of teeth. And they're talking about how it, oh, it could be an old pregnancy. It's an old baby. <laughs> Again, saying something really, you know, for example, if a gym teacher impregnated her at the age of 10 (laughs) and then the fetus has maybe hung on in there and now it's been born, it's got like old men's teeth, it's got a wispy beard and really long, long toenails pushing through the baby booties. (laughs) I think it's like the one, the constant things they do throughout it is their sort of absolute um, biology bollocks (laughs) that they just constantly make up. But you know, there's points that they say it's that thing of like sometimes they say it so convincingly convincingly not in this case but occasionally you're like that's that's not a thing right yeah there's something <laughs> that comes up later on I'll bring it up when we get to it but yeah it was a term a sort of anatomical term that I actually googled because I wasn't sure if it was real or not and it's not um, I can't remember it now but I'll see it when we get to it this yeah this old baby and then they it sort of evolves into this discussion about how you know it's unnatural for a man to bond with a baby mm. you know back in cavemen times the baby would come out and the dad would automatically start trying to breed with it <laughs> yeah so they should take it as a compliment that the father does not want to be involved with the baby because otherwise it means he wants to fuck it <laughs> yeah they say oh you know once once he's got you pregnant the job is done and if he stays with you it's just because of how attractive you are really and <laughs> You know, you need to get your figure back. They say, oh, women start thinking once they've had children that they can just look all fat and depressed, mm. waddling about the place, moaning about their torn nethers. <laughs> and they're like a cow with dangling udders and afterbirth hanging out. But you need to keep all that behind closed doors. You can't possibly <laughs> show the man that you're in pain or you're mm. depressed. I think like, we're quite lucky in the generation that in like the last... 10 years I think a lot of like uh, women centred media has kind of changed and it's sort of updated these sort of attitudes and like we've got quite woke mm-hmm. woke with air <laughs> quotes you know stuff like Teen Vogue and you know we're promoting more positive and more feminist attitudes as feminist becomes you know more sellable but reading the I've been reading The Vagenda by um, uh, I can't remember the names of the authors it's like Rianne L. Coslett and the other person mm-hmm. I'm really sorry um 
And remembering like the magazines when we like sort of probably at the beginning of our childhood, like it's actually not that long ago that magazines were still selling these ideas of like keeping all this behind doors. Mm -hmm. And I think like probably partly the reason that this podcast is so popular is it's reminding us of a not too distant past that we can still always end up going back to at this rate. Yeah. And in like comedy as well, I've heard a lot of female comedians say that when they started out, I mean, this probably still does exist a little Mm. bit now, but when they started out, it was kind of an unwritten rule that if you were a female comedian, you didn't talk about female specific Mm. things on stage. Like, because there are people out there even now who are like, oh, female comedians just talk about periods all the time. And there was definitely a sense, Mm. you know, back then, oh, don't mention anything that's female specific because the audience will be alienated. And it's like male comedians bring up male specific topics all the time. And it's just considered to be universal. If I had a pound for every single open mic comedian who has talked about his penis, his graphic graphic love of masturbation, I would be a very wealthy woman at this point. Even like when I was 18, which was only six years ago, (laughs) um, when I started doing it in university, I still had my doubts about doing stuff about periods because even six years ago, it was still like, whilst we were definitely getting there, there was still a slight feeling the open mic circuit, especially as a young woman starting out, that the only things you'll talk about are vaginas and dating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, things are definitely changing now it's Mm. more yeah well why can't we talk about this it's half the population you know it's not like some really niche specific topic that nobody else knows about yeah the last problem in this episode is someone's husband has been having an affair and a friend has suggested she should get a dog for company (laughs) and then this is Maybe the most surreal one, they're talking about how one of them once saw a dog that had like a a boating rope being pulled out (laughs) of it. (laughs) And oh, maybe it was like a pirate dog Mm. or something. And they're saying, oh, you know, it's quite common to get a dog to keep you company now. We've got these dog escort agencies. Honestly, like listening to that, it was like, well, it's fantastic, I guess a bit. But um, the the bit where they suggest the dog dinner agency where you just have (laughs) dinner with a dog, I genuinely sounds like a sellable idea i think i would yeah. be behind it like not like fucking the dog but just having, <laughs> just dinner. having dinner sitting with <laughs> just it having, having dinner with a dog i mean it surprises me like you know all these sort of little tech companies you know in in london mm. and stuff i'm surprised no one's started that i'd like just go on a little date with a dog <laughs> why not well, that's, that's essentially borrow my doggy isn't it yeah i mean the goal of that is that you pay to spend time with a dog when essentially you are dog sitting but you are paying for the yeah, privilege i think if you took the dog out for dinner that would probably be frowned on <laughs> if you went to a restaurant or something yeah so episode four is where we hear about mahmoud for the first time <laughs> and we were talking about this before he's got apparently he's got skin like a lovely latte eyes like maltesers with raisins in the middle and hair like a honeycomb crunchy and then they're talking about how he's got like a slightly witchy profile and his nose and chin are almost meeting like a crescent moon (laughs) it comes up later doesn't it joan actually ends up with mahmoud and but now when they're talking about him you think oh that doesn't sound appealing at all but they're clearly sort of besotted with him uh 
uh, Jerrica goes to see him for injections in her hands. Oh, the cream. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's weird that they have uh, the cream that he recommends. Weirdly enough, don't put it on your hands. Yeah. In a thigh, (laughs) he was showing me. (laughs) Yeah, and they say, oh, he designs his own surgical instruments and Mm. he doesn't believe in keyhole surgery. He thinks it's a fad. (laughs) Oh, God. So the first problem in this one is a woman who uh, her son is gay and the husband isn't a fan of this of course straight away they're like oh well that means your husband's gay (laughs) poor woman she just wants some advice about how to turn her husband around and they're saying oh you know it's too late he's gay and of course they're saying that it's it must be her fault and that if you're gay you're clearly just not getting something at home from the wife and it's the problem is her i found that quite interesting as well because obviously the son is also gay in the situation but they don't say anything about where he's lacking in it (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're saying how this idea that gay people don't eat Sunday roasts, <laughs> which is the most bizarre thing. Like they're saying, oh, you know, lesbians eat a lot of fish and hummus, and but gay men are into more like flamboyant food, and it's just very unusual. Because that's the first time they mentioned that Cardinal was gay, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah, she's talking about, oh, you know, they don't eat Sunday roasts, and I know this because of my daughter. Mm. <laughs> so that's probably one of the reasons why their relationship isn't great either if her daughter's gay mm, her one daughter that she spends was it like 14 days in labor for yeah <laughs> and she says you know oh, we didn't bond for a good few years yeah we didn't bond for the first four years yeah also this episode is the one where they're talking about the the collagen because mm. a woman has written in saying she's 64 and she still wants to have an active sex life and they're like oh you know that, that's great you know all these women think once they've been through the menopause that's it but but I'm sorry, you know, if you're in a relationship, you still have an obligation to fulfill. <laughs> Even if you're 64, mm-hmm. you still have to satisfy the man that you're with. There's a phrase in this that I, when I was listening to it the other day, I almost sort of like started like dry heaving because this phrase disgusted me so much. It was um, <laughs> brinal chapping. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. She talks about um in the seaside. Yeah, funnily enough, I I grew up in a seaside town. And there was a moment of that I was like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not a thing, yeah. <laughs> right? But yeah, because I uh, so I grew up in Cornwall, mm-hmm. and um, the thing I found out quite late into my life is that uh, Cornwall is uh, primarily made up of granite, which is <laughs> highly radioactive. Oh no! <laughs> so it's genuinely a thing of just like if you live there, that you are more likely to be exposed to radiation. <laughs> so it's like one of those really stupid things that you think is made up, but you're like, oh no! So you're like brinal chap <laughs> could be a thing yeah they're talking about the sea air causing mm. like flaky skin and mm. oh, of course you can get some collagen you can get collagen everywhere even in your eyelids <laughs> but you want to avoid having too much and you, you get fat lids <laughs> like that expression as well uh, and then this evolves into other things that women are supposed to do like they're talking about anal bleaching oh yeah but uh, <laughs> men men should have a dark hairy anus yeah they're saying oh you know w- women definitely get this done but men you know you don't need to bother it's fine because i never heard of anal bleaching until like like 
it was like popular. I've only ever heard of it through popular culture. I've never known anyone in real life talk about having it or having it done. I know, yeah. But I mean, if you did, you probably wouldn't talk about it anyway. (laughs) Maybe everyone's getting it done apart from us and we just don't know. Yeah, we're the only people with unbleached anuses in this country. Oh, God. (laughs) A sentence I didn't think I'd say on the podcast. Maybe we are. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it was only through like bridesmaids Mm -hmm. and then this. And I was like, wait, is this a thing people actually do? Maybe just people who are on like reality TV and stuff. Yeah. Maybe like the only way is Essex, like Vajazzling and all the uh, same sort of family, maybe. No, um, there's that thing it was literally, I think it was yesterday in the news, well not news, I say news, Twitter, <laughs> um, but some influencer was selling a supplement that was supposed to make your vaginal secretions taste better, yes, I which saw I was, this. <laughs> sounds like something you would hear on this podcast, but it was a real life thing. And you're like, what yeah that's the thing they they're saying these things on the podcast that sound ridiculous Mm. but some of them are very close to real life like i think it actually comes up later on one of them mentions the whole gwyneth paltrow thing where she Mm. recommends like steaming your vagina it's not about bun what you doing? yeah and that is you know the stuff that they're saying in this podcast could easily exist in real life a lot of them Mm. and then this episode I think this might be my favourite ending. They're talking about advice for people how to get to sleep at night. Mm. And they they say, oh, we get lots of letters saying, I can't sleep. Sometimes it literally just Just says says. that in a name. (laughs) A nice little throwaway line. And their recommendation is uh, a massive amount of pasta, lots of wine and masturbation, the well-known triple. <laughs> just the most bizarre recommendation. And and then she's mentioning Cardinal again, saying, oh, well, Cardinal used to have problems sleeping, so I had to do all this for her, of course. And <laughs> don't want to imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Episode five is where Joan is talking about how her husband has had a load of mini strokes. Mm. And yeah, she doesn't seem to be a big fan of her husband. She says that she's always found him annoying. (laughs) But the way she phrases it, it's almost like that's a normal character trait that someone would say about their other half. Like, oh, he's very annoying, but you know, it's not so bad now because he's got nothing to say anymore. (laughs) And she's still been going out all the time and you know, she can't put her life on hold. Mm. She's quite offended that she's been sending him photos of her out and about and he's not been looking at them. Obviously he (laughs) physically can't. The image of the little... um, um, cocktail sticks keep his eyes open <laughs> and they've got he's in a private hospital and of course Mahmoud is in there oh of course he's looking back after him <laughs> yeah <laughs> recurring character I think it's quite interesting the whole thing of like partners because I, I think there is like a genuine serious issue about when stuff happens like this to people that often partners are kind of left to sort of take up uh, a lot of the caregiving and that emotional well-being isn't necessarily like taken care of like I've people who've you know part like when they lose like partners have lost people or you know illnesses and stuff it's you know it's a genuinely hard thing and it's a thing we should discuss more but obviously in this case Joe is just an absolute villain <laughs> <laughs> this is like there isn't even like the break of clearly any sympathy yeah it, it reminds me of nighty night a little bit because mm. in that she plays this kind of deranged hairdresser and 
in the first episode, she finds out that her husband has got terminal cancer mm-hmm. and she just immediately goes out trying to find a new man and her mm-hmm. husband is still alive. You yeah. know? And then his cancer actually gets better and she's kind of like, oh God, <laughs> like she didn't want him to get better at all because she was happy moving on with mm-hmm. her life without him. Episode five, so the first problem in this one is a woman who's saying that she's had her eggs frozen and she's met a Jamaican man called Azebo <laughs> who wants to fertilize them. And it's quite kind of similar to the one about the young godson because she sent in some photos of this mm. man and they're kind of lusting over them. Like, they oh. completely forget <laughs> the problem, basically. And then it ends with their advice. It's just like, so if you could just send us some more <laughs> pictures of him, maybe him with his friends, you know, doing normal things, like maybe in the water, <laughs> splashing a bear. <laughs> yeah, the woman's been forgotten. They just, they want to see more of this guy and his friends mm. playing volleyball. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's a, is it like a 64-year-old woman that he wants to have a baby yeah and she's talking as well about how she's had a prolapse oh (laughs) and they're saying oh well you know if she's been having sex with this man you know he might have like dislodged it and Mm. oh god (laughs) and like like a christmas stocking i think they say yeah i mean the the recurring sort of also racist i don't even know if you can call it an undertones the racist bits yeah as well yeah again it's that sort of yeah i think one of the they start a sentence saying Oh, I don't mean to be racist, but that's not a good yeah, way. Again, there's that excellent parody of that Middle England woman mm-hmm. who just has, you know, this almost fetishistic idea of what black men yeah. are and young men generally. Yeah, it comes up in another one as well when they're talking about like how semen can be different colours and flavours yeah. and they're saying, oh, well, and black men's semen is different all sorts of different (laughs) colors it's just yeah this fetishizing these poor men um also in this episode we get this woman writing in to say that her husband has offered to pay for a boob job for Mm. her and this made me think of another julia davis thing as well um she did a pilot with Jessica Hines a while ago called Lizzie and Sarah. They didn't, the BBC didn't commission a series and everyone was really annoyed about it, but they played these middle-aged women with really horrible husbands. And I think it was Jessica Hines's husband. It was her birthday and he gave her something to open. And it was like, he was paying for her to go off to some foreign country and have plastic surgery. <laughs> and this made me think of that really, you know, this man's offering to pay mm. his for his wife to have a boob job. And of course, their first response is, well, congratulations on having such a lovely husband. <laughs> Just, you know, he's not he's not going off with someone else. He he wants to be with you, but you with big boobs are better you. <laughs> uh, and then they're talking about breastfeeding as well in this and how Joan says there's a 12-year-old breastfeeding who lives near her. Mm. And of course, Jerrica is immediately like, well, where's the husband in all this? He's he's had to go off on the boob hunt looking looking for boobs <laughs> elsewhere. Well, yeah, that was that was one of my highlights is that um was it they talk about the requirement that um basically naturally men need um boobs on tap on tap yeah 24 <laughs> uh, 7 and they say even that oh when men don't get that they become violent and murderous and pedophilic and it's so again just blaming the women which I'm, is something that it does come up when you see stories about mm, like serial killers or people who've done mass shootings it's often. all that we're just lone they would like you know when it's when it's a white man it's mm. always he's just a lonely lone wolf who just yeah. needs a company and you know i mean it's literally how what the 
entire incel movement is based yeah. off is that you know that they have a right to like having sex with women and let's be honest it's not just any women it's very specific you know very conventionally attractive submissive fantasy women mm-hmm. And when they're denied the notion of this, this is what drives them to violence. So, you know, it's it's kind of a terrifying reality cut into a very silly snapshot of uh, boobs on tap. <laughs> yeah, and boob hunt holidays. They mention as well, like 18 to 30 holidays, but boob hunt holidays. And then, yeah, this is the episode that ends with Joan saying she's off to get her fringe tattooed. <laughs> I mean, we get eye, people sometimes get their eyebrows tattooed. Like maybe mm. that's the next step. Who knows? <laughs> Then episode six starts with Jerrica saying how she's just been for a swim in the Regent's Canal Mm. uh, while Joan has been putting her mum into a home and they're talking about how there's a new fad instead of getting buried or cremated you can be, be exploded. exploded yeah a controlled explosion in front of the relatives and it's for attention seeking people mm. apparently and that's what her mum wants to happen i think vicky comes up with a very good line that i think it sounds like it takes julia off guard a little bit and makes yeah. her laugh joan says oh she's she's going off to tahiti to take her mind off it. and she says oh the soul can get very scattered and then vicky says yes it can get exploded rather like you your mother's corpse in due course <laughs> that sounded quite like it just came out of nowhere and it was a very yeah. good line you couldn't write that, yeah that, that is a good callback that's like a classic callback yeah and then this is the uh the kindersist episode oh the kind- <laughs> the infamous kindersist episode where this the initial problem is that the woman has got some moles on her upper lip that mm. she's worried about and it develops into this conversation about how it's possible to have little people living inside your cysts <laughs> like little troll like people and Jerrica's saying that uh her friend found one and she didn't inform the authorities apparently that's what you're supposed to do and she's now got it like living in a the doll's house <laughs> and she says oh you know they've got a dog so he can't leave the doll's house and usually just people put them in the bin and there's now colonies living in the sewers i i love this problem um they're talking as well like oh you know it's the main cause of lower back pain you know there are these rogue siblings in the spinal column (laughs) i quite like because you know a lot of the problems are about you know like relationship stuff Mm. and i like it sometimes when you get one of these it's a bit of a almost like a little bit of a palate cleanser because Mm. it's just so insane it's not necessarily (laughs) just about like women are terrible but this is just taken an absolute trip yeah (laughs) and then the next problem is a woman wants to seduce someone with a sexy dinner and they're suggesting like any dark and dirty and stinky meat awful yeah yeah liver and heart and tongue and also uh creamy puds Mm, because stodgy puds yeah because it's a reminder of moistness apparently that's what you want at the end of a meal but you know a lot of um evolutionary psychology is this kind of stuff where it's all like oh um you know people trying to kind of reach for these explanations like oh um the reason that men like red lipstick is because yeah. it reminds them of an aroused vagina and you're like really are we not giving men any more credit than this <laughs> yeah that's creamy puds is the next 
step. <laughs> it's like you want him to think about sex, give him a, a creamy pud for some reason. Mm-mm, rice pudding. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and then we get the the same woman from before uh, who had the godson. She's written in again. Mm. She sent over a photo album and <laughs> Joan says, oh, we can see there's a picture of him starring in Grease. <laughs> and she goes to carry on talking. But Vicky is like, in what? Sorry. And makes her say it again. And she's like trying not to laugh really obviously. Mm. I think it's lovely the touch of, yeah, again, the using the photos and describing the visual thing, is it, that they talked it she sent them a sort of video montage yeah, like or a the CD. or something yeah and they say oh you know in, in the musical he's playing the john travolta role but not homosexual as we all know john is it's like one of those little unspoken yeah. things that you don't really see mentioned many places mm. but everyone seems to say this is what i mentioned before a sort of anatomical term that it was said really quickly and i was like is that real? Apparently, this isn't real, obviously. The Bunsen Major is apparently the top of the bum to the back of the knee. <laughs> she was like, oh, um, you know, maybe we can see that part of the guy, you know, the Bunsen Major, as it's known. <laughs> Don't know where she came up with mm. that from. And then they end this episode talking about Cardinal again. This is where they're saying, oh, you know, I was in labor for 14 days. We had no bonding for four years, but things are getting better now. She's going off on a, a dry stone walling course. <laughs> <laughs> then episode seven i think this is one of my favorite intros they're talking about the meaty shortbread range mm. and jerrick is saying oh you know now fox hunting's been banned goodness knows why uh there's all these packs of hounds mm. that aren't being used so maybe they could be a meat source for this soupy tea <laughs> the thing was i was thinking about this on the on the ba- just on a purely baking level and um, obviously shortbreads is va- are very buttery by nature so i was thinking i was like could you actually make a sort of meaty shortbread using sort of i guess I mean, there's no reason, I guess, why you couldn't use lard. So if that was like a, you know, a distilled meat lard, the meaty shortbread is very plausible. I wonder if anyone's tried it after listening yeah. to this. You should have brought some today. You should have brought as, them in. Yeah, sadly, as a vegetarian, oh, <laughs> that would be um, that'd You be could, could have brought them for me. I could have yeah. tried them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, like I was listening to uh, a podcast called Friends with Friends. I think they record it in the studio that we're in now, but Ooh, they, yeah, they, um, they were talking about the episode, you know, the sandwich that's called the the moist maker or something in Friends, uh, and the guest on the podcast actually mm. brought, they made it and brought oh, it wow. in. Oh yeah, so I should have requested that from you. I should have requested some meaty shortbread. Maybe if there's like a rap party for the se- this podcast <laughs> series, we can endeavour to try and make some meaty shortbread. Yeah, this is actually kind of a running thing in a lot of Julia Davis's stuff, like mm. weird, disgusting food. Mm. Like, well, I mean, the name of this podcast is Smashed Prawns in a milky basket which is something <laughs> that gets served in nighty nights <laughs> and then in hundaby there's all sorts of like lambs faces in stew mm. and things like that uh in human remains there's uh she keeps going on about a curly sausage casserole and i guess meaty shortbreads is like the new <laughs> the I new think, addition to that canon i think there's something um about meat and animals which is very folk horror mm-hmm. which i think is i mean from what i've gathered from her work is like a very like it's a big influence on that sort of like it's almost like wicker manny like esque mm-hmm. of having like animals and meat and slaughter 
after it's like yeah <laughs> and then this is also the episode where they're talking about the horse oh, yeah. i'm not sure how they even get onto this but they're talking about how you can grow body parts nowadays and they're talking about horses eyes mm. joan says you know i once lost a whole afternoon just standing next, next to, to this horse, horse. <laughs> and of course it goes into other body parts of the horse yeah, as well it goes <laughs> weird sexual tones about this horse <laughs> uh yeah and then this is uh the episode where there's a husband who is ejaculating over his wife's clothes all the time mm. and she's had some colleagues around for dinner and he's been going around doing it in all of their coat pockets and of course they are immediately like oh well i'm struggling to see what the problem yeah, is like, that's the first thing she says yeah like, uh. <laughs> again thinking of the the reddit relationships mm, yeah I, I could 100 percent see that on reddit relationships it's probably already on there but yeah because it's funny because she says in the problem that that it's uh oh um he does it um but he says it's his way of showing that he loves me <laughs> but then obviously the problem is that he also does it to other people's belongings that have just come around they just never address it yeah and she says like oh i put out a lovely new silk dress to wear for the opera and then he just comes in and ruins it uh, and they tell her as well like oh you know they're more concerned about the fact that the boss is a man and has mm. a handbag mm. that's what's more worrying to them that's mm. the pressing issue as opposed to what this woman's husband is doing the next problem is a woman saying she wants some tips on how to masturbate and they're saying oh you need to do it three times a day and you'll age dramatically if you don't it's one of the it's one of the few parts i can finally get behind in the whole podcast <laughs> like oh yeah women need to masturbate at least three times a day like good it, advice it starts normally and then it goes into like clitoral flossing yeah when they said that at first i thought it was like a metaphorical thing of being like oh you know that's just the way of them saying masturbate and like oh no they literally mean floss with a bit of tape <laughs> uh, yeah this is another just gross sort of anatomical thing they're saying oh you know get that tape under the, the clitoral cape mm. and they're talking about a condition that they say is called clitoremoritis <laughs> and then another moment where julia starts really corpses so when she says like oh you know uh, the vaginal opening or the sex chimney as it's frequently <laughs> called and she kind of takes herself by surprise and is really laughing at that and then vicky again sort of pushing it she says it again a few seconds later and julia's like oh no why did i say that and that's again where they bring up gwyneth paltrow mm. you know clitoral flossing steaming the vagina you know it's the same family really there's not that much difference and then the last one in this episode is a woman who's concerned because her fiance is going to an adult baby group and again they're like oh well that's wonderful that he shared that with you i mean i don't see what the issue is <laughs> and she this woman lives in broadstairs i've actually been to broadstairs i hadn't heard of it before i had to look it up is it's in kent yeah, so I have a friend who lives in Faversham. So quite often we go for like day trips somewhere between here and London. And last year, I think on the bank holiday, we went to Broadstairs. It's a really lovely <laughs> little town. It's just like a little seaside town. We just had we had a great old time. And I was like, oh, Broadstairs. <laughs> They're not very nice about it. They mm. say, oh, it's it's mostly obsessed with Charles Dickens's visit there. <laughs> like that's all they care about. And this woman, you know, they look at her photo and say, well, she doesn't look particularly bright, and she's. From 
from Broadstairs, so she's probably just naive and, you know, mm-hmm. men going to adult baby groups, why not? You know, you just have to put up with that as a wife. <laughs> and again, they're talking about moobs as well, because she sent a picture of the husband and they're like, oh, he's got moobs. He's probably got a great sense of humor. You know, we haven't heard anything that suggests that they're just imagining all these nice qualities that yeah. this man could have and saying how awful this woman probably is. <laughs> the phrase that he's... Um... Joan is like, I normally go for muscular men, but you know, if you if you go for the roly poly, he's gotta be well endowed. <laughs> yeah, and they say something about like a, the pu the punal pocket, I think is the mm. term they use, where it's like a really a, a fat man and the fat has grown around the mm. penis. And it's another weird anatomical term that I don't think I'm ever going to forget. Yeah. Uh, and then this episode ends with them talking about how Jerrica is off to get some contouring tattooed all over her face and body. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, it's very, very painful, but, you know, it is worth it. Now we go on to the last episode. The first problem is possibly i think this might be the darkest one it's husband has bought her a voucher for a Mm. facelift and he said that he's going to leave her the woman he slept with while she was was having having chemo chemo. (laughs) (laughs) and the more they get into it they find that you know he's not just saying you need to have a facelift even though that's bad enough he's saying he wants all of her features changed Mm. to look like this other woman (laughs) and of course they're saying well i don't really see what the problem is it's a no-brainer you know he he's not leaving you for this other woman he just wants you to look exactly like her and that's you know he's gonna stay with you so that's great you know think oh because it's like the first thing they say there's a pause and like oh i really feel for him yeah you know like (laughs) which is like all interactions online um (laughs) but it's all like um oh you know whilst you you know she was in chemo you know he's got to get his fill of booze yeah Yeah, and they say oh there's no reason why you can't continue with an active sex life while you're having chemo there's all sorts of wigs you can guess it's like (laughs) i think this might be the darkest one This poor woman, at the end, they go so far as to say, oh, well, John, if you're listening, I think you should consider moving on. (laughs) Poor woman. I wonder Mm. why in this world, I wonder why these women write into them. Yeah. They're genuinely looking (laughs) for help. What do they expect at this point? And then the next problem is a woman saying that she prefers one of her twins to the Mm. other one. And... I don't, I'm not saying this is how she must feel in real life because she won't, but Julia Davis actually has twin sons. So I don't know if there was any sort of reference to Mm. that in this, but that immediately suspicious of this woman because she doesn't say where she's from Mm. so they've immediately taken against her like oh well that's very withholding isn't it and they tell her basically that it's normal they're like oh you know you've got twins it's normal when you've got work colleagues to like one more than Mm. the other so why is it different with your own children (laughs) and you need to think of your children more as work colleagues and we get a really weird insight into Joan's Mm kind of backstory as well because she's saying that she used to have a twin who passed away in a freak accident <laughs> yeah with a big a big wheel at the fair like mm. spinning off his axis and she got the blame for it because her umbrella part 
half her umbrella got jammed and Bunty was the only one who flew out. <laughs> Runty Bunty, they call her. And, oh, you know, of course, mum preferred her. Her boyfriend fancied me. and you know she... My boyfriend fancied me. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the only one who got affected. And Jerrica says, like, oh, so you have had to live with some level of shame. And she's like, well, no. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> then we get the man who is saying that he's left his wife mm. for a younger woman. And Jerrica's immediately like, oh, well, now we've got someone with a bit of fire. A bit of spunk in him. <laughs> yeah, he's seeing his kids once a month, mm. which he says uh, feels about right. Uh, <laughs> but he hates his ex-wife and he says, I wouldn't do anything, but I wish they would all just go away. <laughs> Clearly he's going to do something. Mm. Jed is 56 and his new Haitian wife is mm. 17 and he's sent in some photos one of which is of his new girlfriend's boobs. <laughs> I, I think this, it's fantastic. They mention, because um, they talk about Haiti, uh, and they're like, oh, you know, Gauguin went there, the painter. So it's a fun fact about Gauguin, um, which I discovered doing some research for a comedy show, is that it wasn't, I don't think it was Haiti. I think it was like Trinidad or somewhere in the Caribbean. Gauguin moved and uh, so he basically left his wife and children in France and took up, not only <laughs> did he take free child brides whilst oh, he gosh. was over there that were like 14, 13 and 12, but he managed to give most of the women at the time and like on the island, syphilis. Oh, lovely. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like an extra little note. You don't know that, obviously, if you listen, but it's, it's a fun little fact <laughs> if you listen to it. You're like, because the obvious illusion is that Gauguin is also like paedophilic scum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure. Joan and Jericho would have approved of that. No mm. problem at all. Of course yeah. he went over there and took Yeah, a man has brides. needs. He has preteen needs. <laughs> uh, and they're saying as well, they've got a photo of this man saying, oh, you know, he's wearing a wig and he's got a big belly, but it's just, you know, it's something to grab onto. Mm. And once a month, you know, what more do you want? That maybe you should even see them less often. You know, that's enough to be a dad once mm. a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The next one is a woman asking fellatio tips mm. and a weird sort of anatomical stuff again they're saying that she's sent in a picture and she looks like she's got a parrot's tongue <laughs> <laughs> funny enough I, I've had like two separate ex-boyfriends tell me that I have a small tongue at the time <laughs> not of a, a, pa- a parrot's <laughs> tongue not specifically a parrot but it was a thing of like I'd never it's not a thing you would ever think of unless somebody points it out <laughs> I don't know what a normal size tongue no, is no you start wondering now you're like what I've never been insecure it's amazing what you can be made to feel insecure about <laughs> <laughs> and they're recommending that she needs to like learn how to shut down her gag reflex mm. and they say there's an operation you can get to have it removed like the gag reflex that's not like a body part is it that's, <laughs> yeah. how would you get a concept to remove yeah, from your just... body and they're also talking about oh you need to get it down so it's almost touching the stomach and you can take some <laughs> chunky bites as well <laughs> and it's just yeah if i was a man listening to this i'd probably be like oh no god <laughs> and then this episode well the series ends with Joan is going off to court to divorce, divorce her, her husband. husband who's like had a stroke and isn't really capable of doing anything mm. and she's going off with Mahmoud. <laughs> They're talking about her PA as well who's come up before called Stephanie saying mm. she's really useless. They say mm. she's a, a lolloping lass <laughs> and 
Je- uh, Joan is like, oh, but you know, I have to carry on employing her because she's a, a friend's daughter. Mm. <laughs> and Jerrica's talking about what she's going to do next. She's doing some TED talks and also some bed talks where she goes around <laughs> to people's houses. <laughs> they also have a bit of a discussion about these books about depression that Jerrica's mm. written, saying, as she says as well, that and they're all only slightly different from each other, <laughs> as <laughs> if that was like a selling point of the five books. They're all only slightly different. I saw these like these self-help books isn't it by you know doctors <laughs> but yeah. they're all like you know it it doesn't make it's quite hard i imagine as an industry because when you write your first book like this is how you solve being sad and then you're like well i've given away all my answers in the first one and they're like well we've bought you for a free book deal and they're like oh how to extra solve being extra sad (laughs) and they're talking about depression saying oh you know it's all to do with attitude and how parents bring up children of course you know cardinal's got depression but that's not my fault um (laughs) They, she says a good line, I think, to end on. She says, I was an extremely hands-on mum, albeit from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else, like any other points you want to mention, like about the podcast in general? Yeah, just generally as a podcast, I think it's... I found it quite hard listening more than one or two in one go, I think. Yeah. Particularly, like, from, like, me, coming from, like, my comedy background has always been very, like, silly, and I've always been on the sort of, like, lighter side of things. Although, you know, I, I did watch The American Office, but I think for the first three or four seasons, it was, like, through the fingers in my eyes. Like, I hate <laughs> watching... cringe comedy sort yeah, of thing, yeah. Like, I hate watching things happen to, like, bad things happen to people <laughs> so it was quite interesting as I think like as a comedy experience sort of um like listening to these people that are just so awful I think there's like there is something fantastic about um they're such brilliantly created I don't want to say villains because that sort of sounds quite one-dimensional but just having like women as terrible people um and as an example i think it's just like it's a brilliant study into sort of internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. and that sort of attitude that you know these sort of women of like you know 50s 60s whatever still have and um you know to slightly less extremes but you know this whole like a lot of the problems as we've discussed are still very much problems we have today it's just as a generation we've kind of got a slightly different attitude to it so i think it was it was a really interesting education (laughs) i don't know like how soon i would be able to listen to it again but when Mm -hmm. it's a second series i'm i'm interested to see where they're gonna go with the characters because obviously it's mainly just one shots without Mm -hmm. like that many recurring storylines but you do find a bit more and more about them and i'd be interested to see what happens with um joan and mahmoud yeah i wonder if they'll still be together in yeah. series or maybe she's moved <laughs> she'll on to still a... be in her castle yeah or uh, she's moved on to another husband by then it's quite interesting obviously in the description they say that joan has five children and they never get mentioned yeah that's once. the point actually it, it never really comes up does it yeah. and one thing also that struck me just the other day is that I, throughout the whole podcast, I don't think they actually swear at all. Mm. Like I hadn't really registered that, but I don't think they do at all. And it's just, they, 
obviously it's a very kind of um you know graphic mm. sort of crude podcast but they managed to do it by giving these really horrible descriptions of things mm. and there's no actual there's no you know swearing or anything it's yeah. quite unusual mm. whilst i'm sure i've sworn at least 20 times more in this podcast than, <laughs> more than in Tichon and jerica mm. yeah what you said before you're not you're not really sure about cringe comedy you should watch sally forever and let me know what you think i started <laughs> i started watching um the first episode and like um because if you couldn't watch the, the american office because <laughs> it was too cringe I, mean, I did i you know i've watched most of that like um but like, sally forever is just what well, most of julia davis's shows are awful people just being awful to each other i think i got about halfway through it because uh i don't want to say alexander mcqueen that's That's, no that's right yeah yeah alexander mcqueen is the most slimy (laughs) worst character but i think like he was like a great character because i think there's a like the simpering man as a sort of comedy thing is because obviously you know we've moved past like a time of being men being like you know too in touch with their feelings as being a bit of a joke but i think there is something like men who are so reliant on women as their sort of like emotional harbor yeah he's constantly sort of sobbing and being like i love you so much to a point where she's like recoiling away from it like it's you know to the point it's it's like being sort of so self-pitying and sort of like yeah again not really not making the effort or in it's a sort of thing of being like he thinks he's making the effort in his own head rather than but it's his idea of making an effort rather than concerning himself to understand what she actually wants and likes and obviously that's the reason why she you know spoiler leaves him mm-hmm. in the first episode just yeah. because he's very much taken with his idea of how to make it work rather than you know what like Sally actually was. Yeah, she but... tells him she hasn't been attracted to him for several years and he's got no idea because he, <laughs> he thinks they've been having a great relationship. Yeah. And I I was, you know, it's it was really good as like a character of that. But having to watch that as a woman <laughs> is painful. It's like, oh no. Like you you just want to physically crawl out of your own body watching it so I couldn't finish it. <laughs> I think maybe camping is similar sort of thing but um i think maybe not quite as extreme maybe Mm. try camping because that feels a bit more like in the real world like real Mm. people there is a similar character where it's steve pemberton playing a guy who's not that bad but he is quite kind of emasculated like he's constantly talking to their son in like a little babyish voice Mm. and you can tell the wife is just really turned off by this Mm. no uh so before we end uh where can people find you on social media so on twitter and instagram i'm at ruby martin art um you know, don't be fooled by the art that i've got Mm -hmm. i also do comedy Mm um yeah i run a gig uh, called Comical Comedy, which is an arts and crafts comedy night. And you can find that at comedy underscore comical on Twitter or just comical comedy on Facebook. And our next gig is the 17th of July, if this podcast comes out before then. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, you can just follow us for updates. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket. You can find us on Twitter at Julia Davis QOTD and you can find me at It's Sophie Davis. This podcast was edited by Alex Bondek 
with original music by Martin Ford and Matt Bond. Next time, I'll be joined by Sarah Hughes to talk about the Hunderby specials. 